Our reading today comes from 1 Kings 19, verses 9 through 14. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throwing down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Olathe Campus of Christ Community. My name is uh, Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to, good to be with you. And thanks, uh, as Sarah mentioned, just for your patience. We know it was a little crazy. And now it's open next week. We don't know. Uh, that's what they say. But it'll change probably next week as well. Thanks for like, you know, it's just fun to keep you guessing. So at the very least, uh, it's really fun to be able to look out this window each week, isn't it? Uh, and see some progress. So uh, continue to be patient with us and, and pray for good, good weather and good progress. Uh, we're really excited uh, to see what God does. Let me, let me pray for us, and we'll look at this, this ancient story together. God, I'm so thankful for your church, um, for your people gathered together here in this space. God, that you have called us uh, first to yourself, through your son Jesus, um, into life with you, uh, but that you've also called us together into life with one another. And so, God, I, I pray that as we center ourselves this morning around your word, God, I pray that you would speak even if only in the tiniest of whispers. And would you give us ears to, to hear you, hearts that are willing to change, um, empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, we depend on you for these things. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Sometimes in life, you have to lose the battle uh, in order to, to win the war, right? You've probably heard that phrase before. Lose the battle to, to, to win the war. It means giving up short-term gains in order to pursue long-term victory. You know, for example, like with chess, right? Sometimes it's okay to give up your pawn so that you can at some point get the, the queen. Or, or maybe you think of baseball and, you know, I've been really hoping most of the season the Royals have been giving up all these short-term battles, right? So that they can figure out who they are and then September and October they can, they can win the war, right? It's kind of part of, you know, I'm hoping. Um, Naively, probably. Um, but still, nevertheless. Or, or maybe you think like with parenting. Many times you do this with parenting, Right? Uh, where you say yes to something you're not really crazy about so that you can say no to something else that really matters, right? Or even at work, you know, you, you take a day off, even though you've got so much to do so that you can return to work next week uh, refreshed and, and ready to go. Sometimes the very best thing you can do in life is to lose the battle so that you can, you can win the war. But what do you do 
what do you do when it's God we're talking about? And it feels like all he's doing is losing. Like, then what? I mean, you look around. I mean, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? You look around, maybe your life or out, out beyond you, and it just seems out of control. Things are a mess, or, or even in your own personal circumstances. Like, God, like, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why is it like this? I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you believe what this, this book teaches, then, then yeah, I mean, ultimately, we believe God is going to win the war. It's, it's, it's all going to work out. It's going to be fine. He's, he's got it under control. It's, we're going to get there, okay? I get that. But how many battles does he have to lose? And really, the question for us this morning is, how do we keep trusting when it feels as if God is losing? That's Elijah's question. Because we meet Elijah this morning tucked away in a little cave, still afraid and still despairing, waiting for God to do something. We've been, been walking with Elijah this, this summer together as a church. If you missed some of it, you can check out our podcast. It's easy to find. You can kind of catch up in this, this story because we've, we've got covered quite a bit of it all, already. Uh, and I mean, essentially, you know, a couple weeks ago, I'll try to catch us up if you're, if you're newer here, just to refresh our, our memories if, um, if you've forgotten. But basically, you know, Elijah a couple weeks ago witnessed what anyone would have thought was an incredible victory, right? Now, now Elijah, we've said this, he, he's, he's living in one of the most terrible times in, in the history of God's people. I mean, Israel is a mess. They have, they have given up on Yahweh, our God, the true God, and really traded him for Baal. And Baal's just, he's an imposter. He's a false god. He, he requires things like child sacrifice and, and mutilation. I mean, it, it is an awful time uh, in which this story is written. And, and they've been led astray, God's own people, led astray by the evil King Ahab and his terrible wife, Jezebel. Voldemort and Umbridge, as I like to, as I like to call them. <laughs> They're terrible, right? And it feels as if God is losing this battle. So two weeks ago, there was this great showdown, if you were here, you might remember, right, between uh, the prophet of, of Yahweh, Elijah, and these, these wicked prophets. And I mean, really, it's a showdown between Baal and Yahweh. And Baal is found out. He's weak. He's nothing. He does nothing. He's, una- he's no God at all. And Yahweh proves himself visibly for all of Israel and even King Ahab to see. I mean, you could have sworn that meant victory. God's people are saved. It's going to be fine. Ahab and Jezebel, they're going to change. It's all going to work out great. Except that it doesn't. They don't change. Nothing changes. In fact, things just keep getting worse. Which, if you think about it, makes it feel like an even worse defeat, doesn't it? Like this massive, mind-blowing, public miracle. And it still feels like God is losing. I mean, I mean, it's almost like, I mean, if you imagine, like, it's almost like God parted the Red Sea, right? This incredible story way back in Exodus. He parted the Red Sea, the walls of the sea are there, and all of the people are just like, eh, nah, we're, we're just going to stay, right? That, I mean, that's kind of what's, what's happening here. It's as if God is up by a thousand in the ninth inning and still loses, right? It makes it worse, doesn't it? 
Like, like you just feel this, this incredible tension. And so Elijah, right, he's, he's caught in the middle of this. He runs off to the badlands of Israel. We talked about this last week. He's disappointed with God. He's despairing. He actually prays, God, would you just kill me already? I can't watch you lose anymore. Take my life. I'm done. And God, God says, no, I'm not going to do that. He gives Elijah a nap and a snack. Sometimes that's what we need. And he sends him on his next assignment. And we said last week, right, that chances are God will disappoint you. But he will never leave you. But now we're 40 days past. Things haven't gotten a bit better. We're still in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you want to follow along in this and the story, but we ended last week with Elijah hiking to the mountain of Horeb, another name for, for Sinai, considered to be like the mountain of God, essentially. And, and it, it took him uh, 40 days. It's really only a week's journey. It's not that far. It's not close, but it's, it should have taken about a week, it, but it takes him 40 days, which reminds us, right, of Israel's own wanderings, right, and their own sort of disobedience and despair. Like, they, they do that for, for 40 years. Elijah, he doesn't go that far, just 40 days. But now, now he's at the mountain, and I love mountains. Like, when I'm in a funk, I want to go hiking in the mountains, but that's that's not why Elijah's there. He's chosen this mountain for a reason. This mountain is special. It's, it's God's mountain. This is, where, this is where Moses met God. Like the burning bush, it happened here. It's, it's where Moses, after the, the party to the Red Sea and all of Israel gathered at the, the foot of this mountain, when, when God showed up in, in earthquakes and, and lightning and thunder and, and delivered to his people the, the Ten Commandments. Like big things happen at this mountain. And Elijah is there for big things. Of course, when we start this story, we read it, we immediately find out that Elijah's been living in a cave. It's not a glamorous thing. In fact, I mean, it's pretty clear in the Bible when somebody's in a cave, like they're not spelunking, okay? Okay. Uh, they're hiding. I mean, that, that, that is meant to cue us in right away that Elijah, he is still afraid. Like the, the junk that we worked through with him last week, he's still in it. He's still feeling that despair. He's still wondering, what on earth, God, are you doing? He's waiting for God. And he's sort of, I picture him like rehearsing his speech in case God just happens to, to show up. He's practicing I call it his God, why are you losing speech? You ever make one of those? Yeah. So he's alone, hiding out in a cave, a literal echo chamber, right? And the fact that we read his exact speech here twice seems to indicate, yeah, yeah he's, been, he's been practicing. He's picked these words. He knows what he wants to say. He says them twice, in fact. And so God, he does show up. And it's kind of like this divine counseling session. I mean, God says, basically, you know, what brings you to my office today? Why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah, why, why are you in a cave? Like, how's that working out for you, Elijah? Verse 10, 
Elijah begins his well-rehearsed, God, why are you losing speech? He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, for Yahweh, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. God, I don't know if you know this or not, but everyone on your side is losing. And I'm getting a little tired of it. And now, God, I'm all alone. I mean, I kind of want to say, like, of course you're alone. You're in a cave, right? I mean, step one, Elijah. Um, but really, I mean, we, we see here that Elijah, he's kind of lost sight of who God is. Almost like in his mind, they've switched places that Elijah is supposed to, like, God, I've been doing all the work. Like, I've, I keep doing all this stuff, and I'm doing my best, and I'm all by myself. Like, God, when are you finally going to put a little skin in this game? And he's there at God's mountain because he wants God to do something loud, something big, something clear, and something now. God knows why he's there. And so God says, okay, Elijah, get out of the cave and stand before me on my mountain. It's a pretty remarkable thing. To hear, to, had to be, like, to hear God say that, like, stand before me. I mean, both exhilarating, right, <laughs> and absolutely terrifying. In verse 11, this, I mean, Elijah thinks this is the moment I've been waiting for. Verse 11, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Ugh, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. I mean, with each show of power, Elijah had to be thinking, yes, that's why I came. Bring it, God. Let's do this, right? A wind so strong it tears the mountain apart. I mean, think about that. Like the storm last night, it was, it was impressive. But like this, like it's ripping up the boulders. But wait, that, that wasn't you? An earthquake and the mountain trembles. But wait, God, still not you? And a, and a fire and, and Elijah feels the searing heat. And still, I mean, surely, God, that was you, right? But the roaring wind quiets down. The tossed debris and the shuddering earth settles and the fire withers. And I can only imagine, like, after that sort of cataclysmic stuff, I mean, the silence had to be almost deafening. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Really? Like, that's it? Like, that's what we're going to do, God? You're just going to, like, I mean, think of, like, he's there for, for something magnificent. And even, even the Hebrew here is so challenging, like this, this low whisper. It's, I mean, the word low, it's like a thin, small, stunted. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's a word for, for weakness, essentially. Like an and whisper, like an audible silence, like a weak voice. He is there for power. And he sees power. But God is in the whisper. Hmm. 
Well, here's the first thing that I think we need to remember. As I've studied this story this week, there's, there's a couple of thoughts that keep just sort of rattling around in my head. Here's the first one to remember. When learning, when learning to trust, even when it feels like God is losing, we have to remember God is quieter than we want. Ugh. Usually, right? He's quieter than we want. God is a, he's a little bit of a low talker, right? Seinfeld, anybody? No? I tried that three services and nothing. <laughs> you think I'd learned my lesson, right? All right, forget it. I try so hard for you people. Um, but like, like Elijah, right? I mean, you, you, gotta be a, you can identify with him, right? We want it louder, bigger, clearer now, especially when it feels out of control. When we're, when we're busy rehearsing our God, why are you losing speech? I mean, if only he would cry out, Nathan, it's going to be okay, right? It's my God voice. It's as good as it gets. I don't know. Um, the trouble is, it's just not typically how God speaks. He prefers a whisper. And we're not, we're not very good at listening, are we? I mean, are we even listening? And really, maybe a bigger question, like how do we discern God's voice today? What does that look like for us to hear from him? Well, the primary place that, that God speaks to us is in his word. He has spoken and actually said quite a bit. And so if you're, if you're looking for wisdom, if you want direction for your life, if you want reassurance of his love, this is the first place we look. This is God's loudest whisper to us. He also speaks through his people. Like gathered together, that's why we do this. That's why we meet together, not just, not just here, but in, in our homes and, and together building relationships. God speaks through us at times. Of course, that has to align with Scripture, of course. But it's another way that God whispers. Then, of course, there are times when God does speak directly to us, rarely audible, if, right? I don't, it's not happened to me, but often sometimes with an audible silence, so to speak. Maybe times when you're, when you're praying or reflecting and you begin to sense God leading a certain direction. I mean, test it with Scripture, right? It's not foolproof. Test it with the community of believers. We need one another to understand God's voice, even, even in our own lives. We need that. But it's another way that he whispers. I'm not saying that God never shouts. Sometimes he does speak in loud, dramatic ways. But most often it's through the still, small voice of his word. So are we listening? I mean, do, you really, do you even want to listen? I mean, especially when it feels like God is losing. I know my temptation is to do what Elijah did, right? To isolate myself, to hide away, to crawl down deep into some cave. Um, metaphorically, I actually hate caves, claustrophobic. Everything closes in. It's terrible. Um, but, like, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? To, to hide ourselves away, to protect ourselves, to, to move away And I even know what it's like to rehearse my own, God, why are you losing speech, right? I mean, sometimes I wonder, do I really want to hear from God or do, do I just prefer the sound of my own voice? I mean, it's so much easier to control, right? And so you know, we do create these sort of echo chambers around us. We gather around people who always agree with us or affirm us. We, we listen to only opinions that, that match our own and, and sometimes we, we hear nothing but our own, our own voice. Or, or we just try to drown out the silence. 
so we can't hear him. You know, we'll, we'll turn to, to Netflix or alcohol or Facebook or family or work, all those kinds of things, so that we don't have to listen. It's easier sometimes, isn't it? I mean, silence is terrible, often. I mean, in our culture, we almost never have it. We don't know what to do with it. It's really hard to listen, right? We don't like silence. Right? It's awkward. Anybody else a little uncomfortable there? Do you have enough silence in your life even to be able to listen to God? God wants to speak to you. And I know the Bible, it's, it's a hard book, right? If you're, if you're new to, to reading this, it's, it's complicated. It's sometimes very difficult to understand historically, all of that. Um, it, takes, it takes work. It takes discipline. But are you learning to read it regularly? We have a, a daily Bible reading plan to help you get started if you're new to that. Um, and really, it just takes practice. It takes discipline. It takes a lot of work. I mean, for example... If I'm with my family, but out in a crowd of people and, you know, imagine chaos around and all kinds of children making all kinds of noises. But if David and Eden, my, my children, if they call me, I, most often I can discern their voice, right? I know when they're calling. And it's not because something magical's happened there. It's just that I put in the time, right? I've, I've done the hard work of, of building intimacy with them, of being able to recognize their voice and I think the same thing can be true with God. The more time you spend prayerfully in Scripture, the better you'll get at hearing His whisper. I mean, frankly, like if you want to hear from God but aren't regularly in His Word, I mean, who are you kidding? Right? You're living in a cave, listening to the sound of your own voice. Yeah, God is quieter than we want Him to be, but we can learn to listen. Okay, so Elijah, right, picture this. He saw those incredible things, and then God sort of comes in this, this whisper. And upon hearing this, this whisper, he wraps his face in his cloak. It's a sign of, of intense reverence or even fear, right, that God has shown up for him. I mean, it's a good step. And, and he goes out and stands now at the entrance of the cave, you know, it's like baby steps to leave the cave, right? He just gets up there, and he's at, at, the, at the entranceway. And then he and God have the same, the same conversation. Verse 13. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, God said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. I mean, God is so patient with Elijah, right? Again, we're going to talk about this, right? And yet God, God responds here with another kind of whisper. And in fact, I think this, this story is meant to sort of parallel each other. It's so, you know, we hear God's question, and then, then we have Elijah's answer, and then God whispers, right? Well, I think he's whispering again, not, this time not with his words, but with his actions. I think we're meant to see that that often the way God works in our world is also with a whisper. And he's about to do something so mundane, so 
anticlimactic. I mean, it's just so slow. I mean, basically, he says to Elijah, Elijah, you want Israel to be restored? Okay, we want the same things. You want, you want Ahab and Jezebel to be overthrown? I get it. I'm with you. We want the same thing. So here, here, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. And, you know, Elijah's like, yes, finally, right? Mount Carmel again, fire from heaven, let's do this, okay? Um, and, and so he's, he's primed for it. And then God, you guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and anoint this, go to Syria. It's a nation nearby. Uh, go over there and anoint this new king of Syria. He's terrible. Like he's, he's just going to be awful. But anoint him. He'll be the next king there. And, and then I want you to come back to Israel. And I want you to anoint Jehu to be the next king of Israel. He's not going to be great either. Uh, but go ahead and anoint him. And then go find this guy named Elisha. He's going to be a prophet. He's going to replace you when you're gone. Anoint him. How's that sound, Elijah? That's what we're going to do. How does it sound? I mean, God is saying, that's, that is how I'm going to overthrow Ahab. That's how I'm going to get rid of Jezebel. And it's going to be slow and mundane. I'm going to use the ordinary political processes, the, the lifespan of kings and queens. And eventually, it's going to get a little better. How do you like that, Elijah? I mean, you got to feel for Elijah, right? It's like, that is not what I came to this mountain for, Right? What are you doing, God? I don't, I don't have all day. I, I want to see it now. But God, he doesn't just whisper with his words. He whispers with his works. I'm going to take care of this, Elijah. I will woo my people back to myself. I love them, Elijah, way more than you do. But it is literally going to take me forever. Great. Here's the second thing rattling around in my head with this story. Yes, God is quieter, quieter than we want. He's also slower than we expect. Slower than we expect, which is why, from our perspective, it often feels like he's losing. Because we want instant, right? I, I want everything now. God, like, do something now or don't do anything at all, right? That's kind of the way, the way we tend to think. We want Mount Carmel. We want fire from heaven. We want big, extreme. Like, God, fix my family today. This problem, make it go away. Uh, take away this, this temptation or this area of brokenness. Heal my body. God, would you make me feel better and do it? I mean, do it now. Like, why wait? You can, right? Or maybe you look at our, our world and God would just... How can you put up with such injustice, such oppression? Why, why won't you make this world right already? And would you do it in my lifetime, please? And preferably in the next 20 minutes or so? And God says, yeah, I am. I will. These things matter to me way more than they matter to you. All of it does. But it's going to take forever. And you and I, if we're lucky, we get 80 years to inspect God's progress on his mission, to let him know how he's doing. And 80 years just isn't enough. In fact, there's this verse. Oh, it's infuriating. It's helpful, though, in remembering how limited we are. It appears both in Old and New Testaments, in, both, in different versions, different ways. But in 2 Peter, Peter's writing to the church and. He's writing to them about this intolerable wait for Jesus to return. And think about that. Like, you know, it's been like 40 or so years since Jesus left. Imagine how we feel, right? 
Peter's words still, still ring true. He says, he says to the church, he says to us, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow. I mean, he, he, you know, he knows. He's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I mean, I'm thankful he waited for me, right, for you to repent, to turn, to know him, to, to love him. I mean, that's, that's why we're here as a church, and we long for more people. We, we praise God for his patience so that, that more can come and know him. And we're going to see next week that God is, God is still pursuing Ahab even, longing for him to, to return, to, to repent. It's what we want, but man, I'm just so impatient. So let me ask, are, are we learning to take the long view? Not the 20 minutes view, not the my lifetime view, but the, the long view. Or are we in such a hurry with God's plan that we're just constantly frustrated, always disappointed? I mean, Elijah, things never get better in Elijah's lifetime. They get worse. And maybe... Maybe you look at your family and you're just begging God to do something in the next couple weeks, right? Because that's what we see and we, we, God, we just do something in this situation. And we forget that God's plan for our children is often longer than a couple weeks, right? Like, what, God, what are you doing? What, what are you, how are you pouring into my child for the next several decades? Help me to see that. Or, or you look at, look at your church, right? And I, I feel this sometimes, like, like, I'm just trying to make it to Sunday, right? To the next Sunday. Uh, and yet, like, like, what, God, what are you doing here that will outlive us, that will outlast us? What work can you, I mean, that's what we want, isn't it? Think of our community, our nation, our world. And you and I can see about three inches past our nose. And yet God sees it all. This is why this last thing is just so important. When it's hardest to trust, when you are convinced it feels like God is losing, yes, he's quieter than we want, yes, he's slower than we expect, but he's also doing more than we can see. More than we can see. And really, this is what the story builds to here. Um, you know, twice, Elijah has, has told God, I'm so alone. I'm the only one fighting. Nobody else cares. Nobody else gets it. I'm the only one on your side. And God's just like, no, you're not, Elijah. Get out of the cave. Verse 18, God says, I will leave 7,000. It's not a lot. 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. God's saying, they're out there, Elijah. You might not see it. You might feel alone. I get that. Um, but you're not alone, and I am not losing. I just can't help but wonder, you know, in that place of desperation for Elijah, what those words would have, would have meant to him. Like seeing this bigger picture that, that God hasn't abandoned him or his people, that there are others like him out there. I just wonder, right? It kind of reminds me, big surprise, kind of reminds me of Harry Potter. Sorry. Um, we're in book seven. I'm reading it, reading it to our kids. Uh, and, you know, we're right in the middle. And it's, if you're, if you're familiar with this, like, it's so 
so, like it just feels like it's over in the middle. Like nothing good is going to happen. Evil has won. You know, Voldemort's going to triumph. Harry feels alone and he's in hiding. You know, he's, he feels betrayed by Dumbledore. I mean, all of it, it's just like, it's so ugly. And he's convinced he's the only one after anything good. And, and then there's this, like, this is really weird. Like they catch this strange like radio broadcast. Remember this part at all? It's, I mean, it seems so insignificant. And yet we just read this part last week. Um, and Harry hears his friends. And he realizes that there are others fighting as well all over the world. And, and at the end of the program, it says, Harry, Ron, and Hermione were still beaming Hearing familiar, friendly voices was an extraordinary tonic. Harry had become so used to their isolation, he had nearly forgotten that other people were resisting Voldemort. It was like waking from a long sleep. I love that image, because nothing's changed. Like it's, not, it's not better, it's not over, it's not easier. And yet Elijah, he wakes from his slumber, realizes that he hasn't been abandoned, he's not alone, and he walks out of the cave. Friends, none of us fight this alone. We may never see the end of the battle, not, not in this life, we might not, but we are never alone, and God is always doing so much more than we can see. You know, frankly, sometimes we get so stuck in our little caves, don't we? Listening to ourselves, you know, so focused in on our stories, our, our problems, and it's not it's not making light of those, and, and God and his word never minimizes those pains that we, that we experience, but sometimes we're just, we're so myopic in what we can view, and we forget that there's so much more that God is, is doing. Sometimes, yes, it feels like God is look, losing, but just, I mean, even just look at what God is doing here. Like, raise your head out of those, those immediate stories and think, what is God doing? Think of the people who have met Jesus here in the last year, or, or whose lives are being changed, who have been impacted by him. And that's part of what that you and I get to do, that we hear as God's church, why he's put us here. I think about the, the work that he continues to do through us in our community, our city, or, or just even the, what God is doing across the world. It's so easy to, to forget that God is still working and that the message of Jesus continues to spread, even in places of great opposition and persecution. I forget that. That we have, you know, friends as a church in China and Iran, places where the gospel is pushed back against very, very hard, but it's thriving. Or our friends in Rwanda, that's for us as a church, we're partnered there, and the, and the things that God has done in that country, even just in the last couple of decades since the genocide, God is not losing. And we have brothers and sisters literally everywhere. Quieter, yes. Slower, often. But God is doing way more than we can see. Perhaps it's time for us to get out of the cave. Of course, if you, if you think about it, um, sometimes God does his best work in caves, right? I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, speaking of like it looking like God losing or God being quiet and slow, I mean, just imagine that like his grand plan was a human baby born in obscurity. That, that when he comes to us to, to rescue us, they're born in poverty and scandal surrounding them. There's an ordinary man, a carpenter. And, and that, yeah, okay, he preached a few good sermons and he did a few pretty amazing miracles. But he died in agony as a criminal and was buried in a tomb, a cave. 
Never has God's plan felt quieter, slower. Never has God looked like more of a loser than on that day. For God does his best work in caves. For Jesus would not stay dead. Our sins would not stay our master. The death and despair, the disappointment that we feel, it would not remain our destiny. For Jesus came out of the cave alive, victorious. And he's alive now. And even when it feels as if all is lost, even when it feels like he's losing and we can't see beyond you know, our own noses, right? You just, we get so trapped in. Even then, he's not finished. And he longs to do the same thing for you and for me, to, to wake us up from our slumbers, to remind us of his goodness and presence, to call us out, and to give us life. What are we waiting for? Get out of the cave. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that you included this, this story in your book that we get to see that even one of the most incredible prophets, one of the most incredible people who followed hard after you, who loved you deeply, felt such agony and at times even despair. God, I'm thankful that you show us that so we can, we can enter into that cave with him and feel that pain knowing that you hear us, that you, you understand what it's like for us to lose sight of you. And yet, Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that you also came out of the cave alive, victorious. And that because of what you have done for us, we also can have this life. God, would you wake us up, call us out, and let us be yours. Oh, it is, it is tr so true that God does his best work in caves. He defeats death. He comforts us. He comes to us in our moments of despair and tells us that while he's slower than we expect, he's quieter than we want him to be, he is still at work. And even though it's hard for us to see that from our perspective, we, we look at reality through this narrow angle lens and it looks like God is slow. It looks like he doesn't know what he's doing, but we have to understand that God sees reality from an infinite perspective, from a wide angle lens. And he understands the reason why things go slower, the reason why he's quieter is because he sees the whole picture. And if we saw what God saw, we would understand why he's quiet in these moments, why he's slow in these moments. We have to trust that he is at work. Just because he's slow, just because he's quiet doesn't mean he's not working. So I hope that you find comfort in that this morning. I, I want to read a word from Isaiah. Chapter 46 is our benediction, our good word for the road. Hear these words of our God who sees all of reality, all of time from his infinite perspective. Remember this and stand firm. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand. For I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Amen. Go in peace in the truth of that word. Amen.